the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Some sun, some clouds, definitely some uh, some humidity, a lot of it. My sweat has sweat. It's gross. 84 the high, some clouds low, 68 tonight. Tomorrow, kind of cloudy, some sun at times. Might get a shower and a high of 90. Phillies 4-3 over Milwaukee last night. Another win for the Fightins. That's four in a row for them. They've moved into second place. It also helps that uh, Miami lost and slipped right below the Phils. And the Braves even lost, so... The Phils are nine and a half games out of first place, and we'll see how far this can go. Kyle Schwarber, 26 home run on the year. He did that in the bottom of the first, like he has done so many times. He held, he's not, His batting average is not very high, and I'm sure he wants it to be higher, and we'll be working toward that. But he does get those first-inning home runs fairly often, which is a nice jolt for the team. Overall, every starter had at least one hit, 12 total for the Phils, and Aaron Nola, Seven strong innings on the mound, actually seven and a third, just four hits allowed, a couple of runs, struck out six, and he talked about his success uh, on the mound last night after the game. I felt like I slowed my delivery down and just tried to focus on pitch by pitch and not try to get ahead of myself and focus on strike one and uh, get that leadoff guy out, and for the most part I did that tonight, and uh, JT called a great game. See, Victoria, that's how this show is successful because we focus on one interview at a time, right? Right, one, right. He's one pitch at a time. <laughs> we're one element at a time. How are you today? Good. I guess the life's motto is just one thing at a time, whether it's baseball, hosting a show. If you're Greek, which I know you are, yes, we eat one I eat one thing at a time, like green beans first, then a salad, then the potatoes, whatever it is. I tend to eat one item at a time. Do you have you noticed that? I do yourself? do that. I've been made fun of for that. I remember my grandfather, who's the best. I miss him. Said uh, one time he was making fun of me. He goes, "I like to mix it. Think about it. Like, is it all just piling on top in your stomach, like one food after the other?" He's like, "Why don't you mix it?" Like he would like eat different things. So he and would. They would all. <laughs> I didn't even notice so. that about myself, but a cousin of mine who's Greek said, "No, you got to eat one <laughs> thing only, then finish it, then move." To- I just think so I do. People go around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't do that. I tend to just want to finish. I think it's the accomplishment in me. Like I want to. Like, I kind of okay. do that too. But now I always think about the eating multiple things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either or is good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, and so, so oh, by the way, Aaron. No, of course it, it's gross out. And uh, I mean, I went outside this morning just to empty the car of a couple of things, and I'm like, I'm sweating already. It's so gross. It really is gross. Well, if you're a pitcher like Aaron Nola. And from a Louisiana, like a Louisiana boy. And like one of our guests is coming, oh, Aaron Nola. I didn't realize. That's Remember? Right. That's right. He's, he's used to that southern Louisiana heat, I'm sure. Well, he talked about <laughs> he, uh, he talked about what, what it's like as a pitcher. Does that heat help? I mean, yeah, I like it. I mean, that's, I got to be- get a better grip on the baseball. And. It's easier for me to dry off rather than to get hot. So I've always liked it. I've always liked to, to rosin uh, my hand and, and rub my hand in the dirt. So it feels like I get a little bit better grip. That's Aaron Nola, the Philly starting pitcher who won last night. Audio courtesy of NBC Sports Philly's YouTube page. So rather than, I guess, the rosin, which, which is uh, sticky stuff, he likes just good old-fashioned sweating dirt. Wouldn't you think it would be slippery, though? I don't get, like, what does he mean that I have a better grip? Hey, because, I, I guess, uh, on, on the ball itself, sweaty? sweat, but dirt. No, sweat and dirt mixed. It's huh. like a little bit of a, a thing. So, oh, all, right. all right. So there you go. Uh, they play again this evening, 640. Christopher Sanchez on the mound for the Phils. Uh, top uh, Phillies prospect, Andrew Painter, by the way, not going to be joining the Phillies anytime soon. He's only 20, and he's in the minors, but he's been making a rapid ascent. But he had an injury, and he's going to need Tommy John surgery officially. So uh, in case folks are wondering, might they call him up? Because uh, just last year, in three levels of the minors, he struck out 155 batters 
in 103 innings, which is nuts, uh, and only walked 25. But there's time, one day at a time, 20 years old, and needs to get the surgery done to hopefully uh, come back strong from that and have a long and productive Phillies career. Uh, also, pretty cool in baseball if you're a fan. Something happened last night that hasn't happened since 1894. It was an offensive uh, barrage of runs being scored. 12 teams scoring double-digit runs. I started looking through the scores, looking for the Phillies one, and then I'm noticing all these big scores. First, the Braves got beat 16-13. So the Braves losing is good because it helps the Phillies gain ground. Arizona won that. Uh, but then the Cubs won 17-3, to like a football score. And then something that really jumped off, which has never happened before, there were three games, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Mets, Chicago, White Sox, and Kansas City, Detroit, all were 11-10. to That's never happened before. And then there were other games, like ten to th- a couple of 10-3 games, a 10-1 to game. And in fact, San Diego had a runner on second base in the ninth inning of a 9-1 to win. And if they'd gotten that run home, they would have become the 13th team with double-digit runs. That would have tied the all-time record. But still, a lot of offense, a lot of runs scored. It's kind of one of those proofs that you never know what's going to happen in baseball. It's one of the reasons I think I love baseball the most of all the sports is just because of the unpredictability of it. Uh, tomorrow, Women's World Cup kicks in. No Yay. pun intended. Yeah. You know, the Women's World Cup is, is a newer thing. Some folks may not realize that, but the World, Women's World Cup started in 1991, if I'm not mistaken. It, the, the Men's World Cup's been around for, I'll take you know, for since it. the 50s or 50s, I think. Uh, but the women of the U.S. team have won the, the World Cup four times, and they're going, including the last two, uh, in France and in Canada before that. Of course, they won on U.S. soil in 99, and they won over in uh, uh, China in the very beginning. So they have uh, you know eight groups of four teams. It's in Australia and New Zealand this time around, and the U.S. is in Group E with Vietnam, the Netherlands, and Portugal. And they, each, they, they play each other one game, and, the, and then only the top two teams move on. And they've been, playing, they've been practicing and, and working to qualify for three years. Wow. So think about that. Yeah. You're, three years of your life, go, going to college. That doesn't shock me, though, because they train nonstop. Like Julie Ertz, anyway, I won't get into it. But just, yeah, that doesn't shock me. They train for years. Yeah, and, for there, and there's other things I'm sure they're doing as they play that are fun and, and, and comp, you know, have their smaller own, own reward. Yeah. Right, right. But, but it takes three years to qualify. And imagine, like, going to your senior year of college, and in their case, they have three games. And if, they don't have, if they're not in the top two of their group of four, they're done. Yeah. And then it goes from there with the 16 teams. So we'll see. Women, U.S. women start off tomorrow along with all the others. And uh, that's the Women's World Cup. Today, you mentioned Louisiana. We actually have a, a special guest from Louisiana on. Uh, that, that's Shelley Rushing Tomlinson, who is the author of that book we're giving away this month. The, the Seizing uh, the Good Life, Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel. So get yourself ready to hear Shelley as she and I chat. Uh, and we also have, and you can enter to win that, by the way, at WFIL.com. Uh, and also, Dr. Robert Jeffress is going to join us even before that from Pathway to Victory. He's senior pastor at First Baptist Church in Dallas, and he's coming to that Monday, September 11th event that WFIL is co-hosting with our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer. Looking forward to that very much. It's uh, The event itself is a Faith and Freedom Summit, a conversation about the government's impact on our freedom of religion. So Dr. Jeffress is going to hop on and chat a little bit about that topic to kind of prime the pump and get folks ready for that event. You can grab tickets at WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Live and local, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, and we're glad to have Dr. Robert Jeffress joining us today, Senior Pastor, First Baptist Church in Dallas, and also from the radio program Pathway to Victory, heard on WFIL weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 8 p.m. How are you today? Oh, great, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, great to hear from you. You know, coming up, Monday, September 11th, WFIL is co-hosting an event called Faith and Freedom Summit, a conversation about the government's impact on our freedom of religion. And at that uh, event will be Chris DeGaul, who is host of the morning show on our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 990, The Answer. I think you've actually been a guest on that program. Uh, Dennis Prager, who hosts a program from one to three also on that station. Myself and you. So we're really looking forward to having you join us that night. 
Well, I'm looking forward to being there. And to talk about, really, of all the freedoms we have as Americans, what is known as the first and most foundational freedom, and that's the freedom to freely practice our faith without government interference. And I think it's a topic that uh, people need to be aware of. Um, the fact is, in the last few months, we've seen some favorable religious liberty rulings from this conservative Supreme Court. But nevertheless, Tim, as you look at the bent of history over the late uh, last 80 years or so, there is still a bias against religious liberty, and uh, it's important that we protect and know what we can do to protect that most important freedom. Absolutely. You know, when I think of freedom of religion, that phrase, as far as the government's concerned, I think of religion itself, so to speak, or religious activities like prayer or going to church or the ability to gather, but also religion manifest in everyday life, religion applied, if you will, such as uh, in things like the culture being forced upon a person, as well as just the culture in general that's fostered by the government. So maybe we could, just, we could talk through that a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, if you listen to the left, they will acknowledge what they call freedom of worship. In other words, we don't care what you do in your uh, place of worship from 11 to 12 on <laughs> Sunday mornings. Yeah. But if you try to live out your faith, then no, no, you can't combine your faith with everyday life. Those are two absolutely separate issues, and the two should never mix with one another. Yeah. And yet our framers use the phrase, the free exercise of our faith. And that's for a reason. This is talking about faith outside the church house, not just in the church house. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I, I would even think in the church house, and you would know this having been a pastor for many years, there, have you ever experienced where there, there have been some wandering folks in, like, checking out, what's that Dr. Jeffers preaching in there anyway? Because I, I could see it even come home to that level. Well, I'm going to talk about uh, September the 11th, an experience we had at our church with the federal government where they tried to impose and restrict what we did in our own worship service. Wow. So I'm going to say that I've never publicly told the whole story, but I'm going to tell it September 11th. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, and as you say that, I'm thinking, uh, I'm reminded of a, a, a worship leader, a guy named Sean Foyt, who joined us last fall. He wrote a book called Bold, uh, Moving Forward in Faith, Not Fear. And he was going along during COVID. He was going along with things kind of as everybody was initially feeling things out. But when the government in California said you couldn't sing in your church, he's like, all right, you're going too far. Winds up having a church service on the Golden Gate Bridge, uh, like a worship service. And he writes in his book how... The police there said, what are you guys doing? And he said, we're just trying to worship God and pray. And he said they had tears in their eyes saying, what took you so long? They were on suicide patrol and said they couldn't keep up with the folks who were jumping on the bridge, mm. off the bridge. Mm. So to, to that, that battle of how did you – maybe that's a, a, a great topic or even just to, to, to talk about a little bit – how you had to process that, stay open, don't stay open, and um, – you know, to the extent that you'd like to share, or that, you know, have to have wisdom as a leader of the church and all that. But uh, right, and, yeah. and during that time, I mean, we were all living under different rules and regulations depending on what state we were in. Yeah. Uh, uh, Texas is a very conservative state. Uh, I'd talked to our governor, Governor Abbott. His goal was to get churches open as quickly as possible, and certainly not to treat them as inferior to or other organizations. You know, it was a travesty that we would have, you know, casinos open, big box stores open, but churches closed. And uh, if anything, the Constitution gives a preference to religious organizations, not to businesses. Yeah. Folks, just tuning in with chat with Dr. Robert Jeffress and Pathway to Victory. Again, you can catch that program weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 8 p.m. Coming up on Monday, the 11th of September, WFL is co-hosting an event uh, with our sister station, Philadelphia's AM 9. The answer. It's called Faith and Freedom Summit, a conversation about the government's impact on our freedom of religion. And we'll have a panel there that evening. I'll be as part of that. Uh, I'll, uh, Dr. Jeffress is part of it as well. You can get tickets for it at WFIL.com. Religion, with the activities like uh, prayer and you know, National Day of Prayer, the see at the poll where students do that, those things are kind of part of the culture in a good way. But then there's also the uh, religion manifest in everyday life, religion applied, I referred to earlier. 
um, not that long ago, the, the culture being forced upon a person, especially in the area of having to make a cake or a T-shirt or something with messages that the creators did not want to do or a website, whatever. Some of those recently, Lori Smith, um, the 303 creative case went before the Supreme Court. And, she, and then she's from Colorado, just like Jack Phillips, a cake maker was uh, or is and was ruled in her ruled in her favor. But that's a that's another that's an example, I think, of this government and freedom of religion that's more intrusive, if you will. It's less about the culture, which we can also talk about here in a second. But you just your thoughts on examples of that happening and things you've witnessed firsthand. Well, well we had in our church just a few months ago, Joe Kennedy, the a football coach in Bremerton, Washington, who prayed at the end of every football game on the 50-yard line. He was threatened. He lost his job over it and took it to the Supreme Court, and gratefully, the Supreme Court acknowledged his right to pray. Hmm. And uh, again, these are, I think, temporary victories we ought to rejoice in. They show the consequences of elections, electing individual who's uh, going to appoint conservative justices. But what we've got to remember, Tim, is justices retire, justices die. And I still believe the bend is against religious liberty, and it's for this reason. The world system is under the control of Satan. The world system is a value system that is opposed to the things of God. And whenever the people of the church get out of the worship center and go into the culture and live out their lives according to their faith, there's going to be a humongous uh, collision that occurs between the world's value system, controlled by Satan, and God's value system. So we We need to expect these uh, conflicts. We need to push back against them. You know, in 2 Thessalonians 2, the Holy Spirit is called the restrainer of evil. He is restraining the Antichrist right now. But one day, uh, the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the world as Christians are taken out of the world at the rapture. But right now, the way the Holy Spirit restrains evil is the Holy Spirit in Christians who are pushing back against evil. We cannot give up. We cannot become weary in well-doing. We are supposed to be antithetical to the culture. You know, Jesus told us to be salt, and salt is great. It's a preservative. But salt in the salt shaker is no good. To be effective, it's got to get out of the shaker and penetrate the meat. Yeah, for sure. Dr. Robert Jeffress, our guest today, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia. What do you think a pastor's role is with, and again, this may vary from congregation to congregation or area to area or even state to state. You mentioned Texas being more conservative might be easier to, maybe not. But just what what um, a pastor should say, perhaps from the pulpit, pulpit, not just that things are tough or morals are decaying, but even getting you know very specifically into topics, homosexuality, same-sex marriage, pro-life abortion, woke ideology, LGBT, all of those things. Uh, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm curious what your take is on it. Well, I think we look in Acts 5 at the example of Peter and John who were told not to preach in the name of Jesus, and their conclusion was very simple. We must obey God rather than man. Mm. And uh, I think for every pastor, I mean, we uh, are not free to preach our own opinions. We shouldn't be preaching our own opinions. But when it comes to the inerrant, inspired Word of God, we need to be bold, and we need to push back against any attempt to muzzle us uh, for what we believe. And uh, I think it's that clear preaching of God's Word that is absolutely necessary uh, in today's darkening and decaying culture. You know, it's a great clarification that you're taking your lead from God's Word rather than what's being discussed and then going to God's Word to talk about it. I mean, you can do that also, but really leading with God's Word, whether things in the culture are one way or another, is the way to go. Well, right. And again, you know, uh, suffering is inevitable. I preached a series just recently on the book of Acts. And, uh, you know, first of all, the people, the the religious officials, they tolerated Peter and John's preaching, and then they gently reproved them, then they beat them, then they imprisoned them. Ultimately, they were killed. And I think we're going to see that progression. I think it's like the old frog in the kettle. You know, you don't turn it on full blast, or the frog will jump out of the 
uh, kettle of tepid <laughs> right. water, but you s- simply gradually uh, raise the temperature until it doesn't realize what is happening until it's too late. I think we're seeing things begin to heat up against Christians in our culture. Nobody's being, you know, put in the electric chair for preaching Christianity yet, but I think the day is coming when there's going to be severe persecution. You just tuning in with chat with Dr. Robert Jeffress, the senior pastor, First Baptist Church in Dallas. Also, you'll hear him, of course, on Pathway to Victory, weekdays at 9.30 a.m. and 8 p.m. Coming up Monday, the 11th of September, WFIL is co-hosting the event Faith and Freedom Summit, a conversation about the government's impact on our freedom of religion. You can get details and tickets on our homepage at WFIL.com. Dr. Jeffers, kind enough to take time out of his busy day for a few minutes, just a couple minutes more here. Um, You've had many opportunities to speak separate from the pulpit like on Fox News. Uh, What have those opportunities been like in terms of your feeling like helping fight these battles in the public square? Because that's another angle that this can come from. It is. And, you know, those areas are different than a pulpit. And uh, but I think we all have different platforms that God gives us. Uh, The platform we may have is in a schoolroom as a teacher. It may be in the neighborhood as a leader. It may be in our business. But God gives us a platform to be a spokesman for him. And I think, again, religious liberty is not just limited to what happens in the church. The free exercise of faith means uh, we have the right to mix our faith with any and every area of life. And I think that's our responsibility uh, right now. And uh, I try to encourage people to be that salt that God um, commanded us to be. You know, unfortunately, Tim, um, the uh, church is becoming more like the world than the world becoming like the church. Mm. Christians are afraid to speak up. And Jesus said, if salt loses its saltiness, it is good for nothing and is to be thrown out and trampled on, upon by men. And I've find many Christians have been intimidated by the culture. They just don't speak out, and they become worthless as instruments for God. So all of this about religious liberty, this just isn't theory that we're talking about September 11th. It is a wonderful opportunity that our forefathers gave their life's blood to provide for us that we could take advantage of to share the gospel. You know, it's a great point you just brought up. I'm thinking, I was going to ask you how much influence you think, in the end, the government has on a religious freedom, and perhaps therefore how much is the battle with the government itself, and how much of that battle can actually be fought but just by loving your neighbor. But even a step before that, what you're saying, I think, is check yourself. Make sure you actually want to be a soldier, that you're going to be part of this. That's right. And and look, Second uh, Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. Our vocation may be teaching or working on an assembly of line or uh, working in a retail outlet. That's our day job. But our real job is to be an ambassador, a representative for Christ. So last thing for you, some examples of what a believer can do, assuming that they do want to bring about change, to be salt, to sprinkle salt wherever they go. Uh, I think you kind of mentioned a little while ago, maybe just uh, in terms of voting or praying for those who are in office is a tangible way. Uh, but other other thoughts you have about a day to day? Well, everybody can't do the same things, but maybe some practical applications. Well, and again, I think it's just more than praying for those who are in government. You know, Paul said to pray for all those who are in authority. The reason he only mentioned praying was that's all you could do in Paul's day. You didn't get to vote for the emperor. But today, God has given us the privilege of selecting our leaders, John Jay said. And every time we vote, we're either voting for righteousness or unrighteousness. And although this may be not be the number one concern of America as a whole for Christians, we ought to be voting for those leaders who support religious liberty and without any apology stand for the First Amendment. So, uh, I mean, I do think Christians need to be proactive in choosing leaders who are uh, committed to religious liberty. But I think we need to not only speak out ourselves in the workplace, we need to encourage our kids, especially if they're in a public school, to be missionaries. You know, somebody once said, you send your children as a missionary or they become a mission field. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful that my daughters really went to school with a sense of sharing their faith. One time my daughter was in the first grade passing out water bottles that had the eternal life verse on it, (laughs) and she got told she couldn't do that. 
And uh, I uh, had her in my office, and I called the principal and kindly but firmly told him why he was wrong constitutionally. And uh, she saw her dad fight for her religious liberty, and she still, as a 30-year-old, talks about that experience. That's great. I was going to – you know, it did occur to me that the education part – uh, I mentioned see you at the poll earlier where students gather around their respective flagpoles, generally speaking, and pray for their school. And that's a student initiate, a student initiative, and they carry it out. It's not adults doing it, so that's part of the thing. Just you might be like, I don't. Am I allowed to pray at school? Am I allowed to do this? What can I? There's a, there is some work involved, perhaps, in understanding what you can and can't do. I don't know if you have a a, a, a way. I'm not, not that there's one hub for that, but. Have you found to just the fact that you knew that to encourage your daughter and help step in? Where do you yes, get that sort of info? Well, uh, in today's world, you can Google information real easily. But uh, the Liberty Institute, Kelly Shackelford's uh, organization, Alliance Defending Freedom, uh, we've also worked with. You can go to their website, and uh, you can find out exactly what is allowed in schools right now. And uh, the the liberties are extensive that we have. Now, a lot of uh, administrators are ignorant about that, or they don't want the hassle of being sued by the Freedom From Religion Foundation. But uh, we can't let that be our concern. We need to fight for our rights as Americans and Christians. Yeah, amen. In a loving way, of course, not obnoxious, but there is such a thing as being loving and firm at the same time. So, yeah. A velvet-covered brick, I like to say. (laughs) That's right, yes. That's right. Well, Dr. Jeffress, it's great to talk to you, catch up with you again. We're very much looking forward to the 11th of September and you being in town as part of this Faith and Freedom Summit. And again, folks tuning in, you can find out details and get tickets on our homepage at WFIL.com. God bless you, and uh, we're looking forward to seeing you soon. I'll see you September 11th. All right. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Dr. Robert Jefferson, the Tim DeMoss Show. Quick break. Looking forward to bringing on board Shelley Rushing Tomlinson next. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. We now bring on board the world-famous Shelly Rushing Tomlinson. Hi, Shelly. <laughs> Hi, Tim. I'm not really sure anyone has ever referred to me as the world-famous Shelly Tomlinson, so I'm smiling on this end. That's good. Well, and I was going to ask you, because you have three names, and I go by just Tim mm-hmm. DeMoss or sometimes Timmy D. Do you have three names mm-hmm. kind of like to get the upper hand so everyone feels like Shelly must know what she's talking about because she has three I- names? Do not, but I love your personality already, and I love the opportunity to explain that because it's really such a sweet story. This is my 12th book to come out, Tim, but when my first book was coming out, I added, I had always gone by Shelly Tomlinson, which is my my, my, um, married name, and I added rushing in there because my dad didn't have any sons of his own. He raised three little girls, my sisters and I. Um, married Mama and us when I was two years old, and he raised all of us and didn't have any boys. So I put rushing in there as a nod to my papa. I love it. I love it already. I thought it might. We can hang up now and things will be fine, but let's keep going. <laughs> okay, let's do Well, Seizing the Good Life is the, the newest book, Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel, and uh, the book cover is that you on the dock of the bay, sitting on the dock of the bay like Otis Redding once sung? That, yes, that's in back of my house. I live on a lake here in Lake Providence, Louisiana, and that is my big old Hank, my Labrador Retriever. Oof. And the fact that we managed to capture that image is a miracle all in itself because Hank was thrilled that I was actually sitting on the dock, you know, accessing myself to him, making myself accessible to him. Yes. So he was all over me, and we got that shot is, is a miracle. That's just the whole story right there. Hank looks like a big dog. He is a big old dog. He's like a horse. He's just <laughs> huge, but he thinks he's a puppy, and he just, he, he wants to be a lap dog. You know, he weighs like 100 pounds, and he wow. wants to be a lap dog. <laughs> and his name is Hank. That's a great name. That sounds like a dog he name. Is. A big dog oh, name. Oh, yeah. We call him Hank, Hankster, Hanky Panky. I mean, he just has a bunch of names that he answers to around here. That's but great. He is my prayer partner and much of uh, my writing partner and much of Seizing the Good Life was written right there on my dock 
over the water, you know, just riding and Hank right there at my side. And so to me, it just felt right for Hank to get to be on the cover. He's a little bit miffed because he hasn't been able to sign any books, but yeah, he's on the cover. He could put his paw on like an ink pad. And then kind of do it that way. I could. I need to get a stamp made. That's a great idea. Did you say Hank is three? Hank is, no. Hank is probably, let's see, let me do my math really quickly. Hank is probably seven. Okay. Why did I think three? Well, our dog Moose is three. Uh, mm-hmm. but Moose you is were my, thinking about Moose. I must have been thinking about Moose. I think dog owners do that. They think about their dog while the other one's looking at their dog and comparing notes and all that. But yeah. That's what we do. Yeah, that's, that's good. What kind of dog is Moose? He's you a have Labradoodle. To tell me now, because you brought him up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's a Labradoodle. I love Labradoodles. He's, I love uh, them. Only about forty, forty-five pounds, so he's mid-size. Yeah. And his story is that my uh, my wife wanted a big dog because we have a daughter who's disabled and wanted uh-huh. a bigger dog to kind of get up and her name's Tori and be near Tori. And I used right. to like cats. I did not like dogs at all. Nothing personal. I used Ooh. to feel sorry for dog people. Because they're like, look at that, that dog's like pounding on you as soon as you walk in the door. Like, down boy, down boy. I'm like, I want a dog that's, I like cats who just lie there and do nothing. But Moose um, is an answer to prayer because he's like, size-wise, he's in between and he's very relaxed. He'll bark, but he's uh, mostly quiet. He got the memo. He said, I think to stay here and to ingratiate myself with Tim, yep. I should dial it down a notch. That's what he thought. <laughs> I love scrunching his noggin. So, and he, yeah, lo- he no. loves it too. I do. I love that. I love the imagery there. Yeah. Well, and I love the way the book is laid out. 21 chapters corresponding to the Gospels of John's 21 chapters, each with three sections. Dear John, dear reader, dear Jesus. I like the layout. It's very organized. So that's a good feeling walking in like to a clean room or something. Okay, now you're going to be like one of my new best friends to call it organized when most people, uh, they, they laughingly say that's unique, you know, because it's very, it's different than most Bible studies. And I did that intentionally. I wanted you to be able to like just sit with and absorb a chapter. You know, you don't have to read all the way through or yeah. if that's your pace, go for it. But I wanted, um, for, for me, it's not how much of the Bible we get through, it's how much of God's Word gets into us. Yeah. So I wanted to slow down and, and help my readers, like, really, really get the, the message of John. So I did that where I had three sessions in each, or sections, excuse me, in each chapter. And that first one, Tim, where I, I write, Dear John, I write him a letter at the first of every chapter. It's just because I spent so much time in John's gospel, you know, that I've read so many of his words. That I just decided to write back to John to open each one yeah. and with a little bit of storytelling. Now, it's not anything intended to be a seance or anything like that. That's not biblical. Right. It's just me, you know, just kind of talking to John a little bit about what's going on in our world. Um and, you know, the differences there with his and just helping people see that, you know, when Jesus broke into John's world, it was it was startling and it was transformative. And we can uh, liken that to when Jesus comes into ours and we come to faith in Christ. You know, it's yeah. a new ball game. So then the second section is Dear Reader. And that's where we unpack the biblical part of each chapter, you know, what we need to learn and understand and what John can offer us in that chapter. And then the last section of each chapter is Dear Jesus, where we just journal a prayer together, where I've written this prayer that uh, will help us hopefully implement what we learned in that chapter. I like it. I like the application part. If you're just tuning in, Shelley Rushing Tomlinson, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, WFIL Philadelphia, Seizing the Good Life, Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel is the book that we're talking about and also that you can win at WFIL.com through the end of the month. That that interesting three uh, prong approach was that evident to you that you were gonna like that that to me sometimes I think if you're writing a book you get ideas as you're writing but that sounds like you kind of had to sit down and really come up with that because you wouldn't just discover that method uh, while you're oh, writing. My- Right. It was just, it was really so weird the way it came across. I knew I wanted to write. I, I love John's Gospel. I mean, I love all the books of the Bible. Um, Lord, I, you know, I'm not trying to play favorites, <laughs> but I love John's Gospel. But I wanted, I felt like it was time. I really felt like, you know, the Holy Spirit said, this is it. This is now, it's time to write this and write this study. And I was like, however, how will I do this in in a way that is just 
storytelling and, and easy reading and applicable that people will stay with. And my friend and I uh, were coming back actually from the beach when that kind of developed. I was talking out loud, like using her as a sounding board. And, and, I, and I happened to mention, I almost think I'll call this book Dear John because we were laughing about the, the application of, you know, people ditching their sweethearts, you know, with Dear John. And right. I said, but I can't call it Dear John because people will think it's a, you know, a love story. And and somehow out of that, um, she said, well, maybe if you also had Dear Reader in there. And I was, and it just it just was a wonderful light bulb moment. And all of a sudden I said to Rhonda, hey, listen to this. Dear John, dear reader, dear Jesus, and it has a rhythm that would keep them in every chapter. And so we got super excited about it. And then there's the hard work of doing it right. Right, <laughs> right. Sitting down and making that happen into the uh, translating that into the manuscript, which is where the the precious spirit of the Lord, you know, uh, is just. I mean, I can't, I can't write without him, and so I just pray, 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 and write, 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 and pray, pray, pray. That's that's my whole writing concept. Uh, wise writing advice for anyone. No, and, the, and the, how many books have you written, by the way? Twelve. This okay. is book number twelve. Yeah, you mm-hmm. just said, you mentioned that a little earlier. So that so you've learned something about that, uh, and obviously, um, the Gospel of John, though, when it comes to reading. Uh, I was told when I was younger and I was growing up, my dad recommended John as I was growing in my faith as a like a in mm-hmm. junior high school, uh, and he even at one mm-hmm. point said something: if someone's a new believer, that's a great gospel to point them mm-hmm. to. Although I've heard others who say maybe it's a little too much and, and have something different. Anyhow, but it sounds like you have a love for the Gospel of John specifically and have read it more than once and all that. So, mm-hmm. was it just some, something you were reading at the time, and then the book came out of having been the fact that you're just in the Word at that point? I'm, well, I knew I would always write on John, I think, um, because of some of the reasons you just outlined. Actually, you know, I, I address or I suggest John to new believers or, or people that have been in the faith. And they go, I don't love the Word the way you do. How can I love it? You know, I like to read the Bible. And, and I always encourage people to get in John and just park there and, um, you know, just let just sit in John and, and talk to the Lord through those words and let him speak back to you. So I always knew I would write on John. Okay. But in specific answer to your question, this came out directly out of we were headed into the pandemic when I began writing or, or actually I think we were in the throes of the pandemic when I began writing that and all around me there was so much anxiety yeah. and so much fear and, and sadly oftentimes and and hey I'm a church lover so this is not me throwing the church under the bus I'm not that person yeah. but yet at the same time so much of the time it, it looked like the same amount of angst in the church as it was in the world, and and it shouldn't be, right? Peace and joy are our our inheritance. It doesn't mean everything's rosy. It means that walking with Jesus makes it doable. You know, we we have that power of the Holy Spirit living in us. And so I wanted to help believers keep believing in the middle of our world because it's a phrase that John uses, and, and I love it, Um, where he says that he wrote these things down so that you would believe. I believe, don't quote me, John 20, 29. He says um, that you would believe, and in in believing, you would have life in his name. And see, it's that in believing where we discover the life in his name, the peace and the joy. It's not the having believed that brings us that, you know, that having believed, having come to faith. But no, it's the and in believing, you, Tim, you, Shelly, will have life in my name. And I wanted to help people access that, um, that the joy of their inheritance. And, and sneakily, I kind of thought that maybe, you know, since the whole wide world looking for the good life, right, that maybe yes. someone that wasn't a believer would be taken by the title and think, seizing the good life, well, I want to live the good life. Yes. And maybe pick it up and find Jesus. Well, and to your point, the folks, Tinny and Shelley Rushing Tomlinson, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, WFIL Philadelphia, seizing the good life, discover peace and joy through the study of John's gospel, which we're giving away, including autograph copies and on the autograph sticker thing inside, it, you have Jesus is the good life. I mean, that is true. Mm-hmm. So you aren't tricking anybody. You're actually pointing them to the right thing. And you know that. Yes, yes, that's it. I'm saying, you know, the good life is not 
the house and the cars and the perfect children, those things, those things don't exist, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that that's not anything um, material, anything that we can reach and hold on to with our hands or the people around us. No, the good life that we're all wanting and everyone craves is Jesus. When he says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, he's, he's not joking. I mean, he yeah. is the life that we all um, we all need and we all want, even those of us that don't know we're looking for him. That's who we're looking for. You know, I, I love that you said that. Uh, I was also thinking John ten ten. you know, I come that you might have mm-hmm. life and have it to the full. Mm-hmm. The fact that you said, even though you don't, you don't know it yet, uh, this hour of this show is, is and this station has lots of wonderful programs and that's the, the main thing. But the hour that we're in, We'll have guests on like yourself, clearly Christian authoring books or Christian music artists, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we also have folks on who aren't believers. Uh, and uh, look for some common ground. Sometimes we'll have people yeah. on talking about, like we'll have contestants from The Voice on, for example. Um, yeah. A lot of them yeah. are believers but or lead worship at their church, but some are not. And yeah. anyway, that, that's just a small example. There are many that uh, it allows there to be some of that opportunity to share the gospel in little ways, sometimes bigger ways. And and I've always been of the opinion that if there's one format in the world, if you want to call it that, in radio world, that should branch out instead of be zeroed in on one exact kind of thing, like a soccer mom wants uh-huh. to hear a certain kind of song, it would be right. Christian radio because everybody needs it, whether they know, need, oh. know it or not, right? Okay, now you have just jumped up on top of my soapbox. I'm going to have to ask you to move over just a little bit because I am just already there. I love everything that you just expressed because we want and we need to talk to everyone and not just the echo chamber of other believers. We need to honor, um, you know, I teach my, my ladies at my church, Sunday school, and we were talking Sunday about the the honoring like dishonor is so prevalent in our world you know people jump to dishonor people on social media without conviction or caution you know just if you take issue you just dishonor people and the bible is all about honor you know honor your fellow man honor authority honor god and we need to recover that honor and one of the first places can be if we as believers would realize that there is something in everyone to honor. I love that you have people on that are not of faith because you can have a conversation with them and honor them and what, you know, that they are pursuing. If we don't honor them, you know, they're made in the image of God. A, if we don't honor them, we're not honoring God. But if we honor them, we have the potential to reach them for Christ Jesus. But if we don't honor them, I mean, there's no conversation, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. I, I say, and it's funny you say that they're made in God's image. It's true. Uh, I think of that mm-hmm. a lot in different ways. Um, I, but I think that the commonality, whenever I share the gospel with someone, I try to think about the fact like if I, if I didn't have the Bible to use, because some people don't refer to it mm-hmm. as the truth, how would, I, right. how would I have a conversation? How could I appeal to, in a general way, but, but clear way, Maybe point to the fact uh-huh. that there is a God, such as, you know, your uh-huh. heart's beating right now. You can't stop it uh-huh. or start it. I mean, you could yeah. <laughs> do something drastic to stop it, but you can't yeah. like pause it and then accelerate it. And, then, oh, and that's that's your that's lifeblood. Good. So just something like that. Like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'm not as in control of myself as I realize. Uh, oh, that is so good. But reaching them through that commonality, Tim, of saying, you know, you're made in God's image and I'm made in God's image. Yeah. And we as believers sometimes can tend to, and, and I'm throwing Shelly right here under this bus, and, and, and <laughs> you know, in my life experience where I have been, like, I, I know that I've been prone to, well, I, I witness the gospel to someone, you know, I, I want them to come to Christ, and if they do not come, then it's almost like, okay, well, there you go, check, you know, I, I tried with you, and, and we move on. When, no, you know, we're called to be a relationship with the people around us, yeah. and they are worthy of my attention, my honor, my, um, you know, my ongoing involvement past 
whether or not they come to Christ. You know, that does not mean we don't get to do, we don't get to honor them anymore because they didn't believe the way we believe. That is no. such an important point. If you really think about it from the other side, if a person knew you were only going to hang out with them till it was evident whether they were going to accept Christ or not, that would appear uh-huh. really shallow. As much as I understand why a person would be like, well, let me spend time over here. At the same time, it's like, well, you want to be available to, to love a person when they need to be loved, when they're available to be loved. It might not be for That's a long it. time. Yeah. That's it. And, and you won't be if you're not in relationship with people who are not um, believers yet. We don't know what they will be. But if we choose our relationships and, you know, who we're ministering to or mentoring or, you know, hanging out with or whatever, just based on that, um, I, I guess we're, you know, we're talking all around the subject of being in the world without being of the world. Exactly. So, uh, of course, I'm not saying we compromise our values, our uh, our beliefs are, you know, our principles, but we are called, and I just believe it deeply, to just be that person that is just honoring, um, you know, Jesus is life himself. And if he is in me, then life should be splashing out of me and getting on you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> Shelley Rushing Tomlinson, our guest, the book, Seizing the Good Life, Discover Peace and Joy Through the Study of John's Gospel. You can win that at WFIL.com. Go to our contest page to enter before the end of the month. Uh, and I, you've been very kind. It's, it's been just wonderful talking with you. And I could chat with you for a lot longer, but maybe I'll just a couple quick things here. One is the big point of the book that when, we, when we've been talking about it on the air, our announcers, we talk about it in terms of uh, the Gospel of John's a roadmap reminding readers Jesus promised his yoke is easy, his burden is light, and that mm-hmm. uh, often with humor, sharing stories to help discover or rediscover peace and joy found mm-hmm. in friendship with Jesus and maintain it. Over the long haul, mm-hmm. and that maintaining mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you about because a person would be like, I'm reading this book, it's really good, and then I'm afraid it's going to not last. But that's not what this is, yeah. right? Oh, right. No, you know, that is, that is the beauty of realizing that that life is not in me, that I don't have that life as a possession, that the life of Christ in me is, um, is he's breathing and living in me. And the only, my, my soul response, or anything that's required of me to stay um, in this relationship, like when someone starts, you know, thinking this is good, like you said in there. Oh, but will, but will it last? Yes, because Jesus will last forever. We just seek Him. It seems simplistic, but if I just wake up every day and I'm like, Lord, I need you. Like, I mean, fresh out, fresh out of deep slumber. As soon as my eyes open, I need you, and I'm going to need you um, through the day. I'm going to need you when I go to bed. And when we live in pursuit of him, he takes care of all that, you know, that uh, ongoing passion, that 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 joy, learning. I'll, I'll, it's layer upon layer, but it comes out of him and not me. Like, my yeah. responsibility is to just love him and serve him and obey him, and, and he does the rest. So when we stay in God's Word and when we stay before his faith, I guess I'm just saying that's it. He'll take care of um, the growth, you know, the transformation that happens at 2 Corinthians 3.18 says it's incremental. And and it's just because we're beholding him and we become like him. And the more we taste of him, the more we want of him. And and it's just beautiful by design to keep us engaged. Well, see, you must have been cheating and peeking at my my list of questions because the last one I had for you about the book (laughs) had to do with chapter 15. Uh, the, uh, the discover the power of abiding. My daughter Theodora is uh, at a kids camp this week, and she's helping uh, yeah. kids uh, uh, from underserved areas and underprivileged areas have these uh, art and sports camp. And the, the theme of the week is abide based on John fifteen. And you were describing oh, it. so, yeah, love it. So. I was going to just ask you about that chapter, but you kind of just said it. <laughs> so. I think I yeah, I think I just said it. Can I give you a fast acronym? Yeah. I know we're out of time. Yeah, I came up with this acronym that I help people when I'm speaking to um, groups of people about abiding. The A, I tell them when I awake, I just remember I awake in your presence, Lord, with my eyes open. That's the A. And B, I'm going to bow my heart to you. Now, now me, I, I like physically go to my knees. It's not my prayer time. I just slide out of bed my knees and then to my feet. It's like one second. Wow. But it's me saying, if you don't bow with me, I'm going to because I know me real well. So I want you you know, to guide me so that that's the B. The I just means I incline my heart to you. And these aren't big, long prayers. I'm just like going, you know, starting up the hall to get coffee. And I'm saying I incline my heart to you. The D is I devote this day 
to you, Lord, and, you know, every day. And then the E is so important to me. I expect to see and hear you because your word tells me that you're speaking to me. So that, that for me, uh, helps me um, remember and grasp the concept of abiding. Shelly, is there a best place folks can, folks can uh, look you up and the work you do? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. I was I'll go ahead and interrupt you and ask you if I could tell him. <laughs> sure. I love to visit with my readers or uh, people that aren't my readers. There's anyone that's curious. And so if they would go to Shelly T, and that Shelly is I-E, so that's S-H-E-L-L-I-E. Made it really simple. T's my last name. You don't have to type out Russian Tomlins. And just ShellyT.com. And, you know, I have for them there um, a free ebook at my website that's called How to Find Margin for the Devotional Life. So, it's, you know, I'd love for you that are listening to buy Seizing the Good Life, but if you don't have that in your budget right now, go to ShellyT.com and get my free ebook, and it will help you develop that devotional life that you you know, maybe wanting to start and don't know how. Mike Allen, DJ Madge of DC uh, DC Talk and Toby Max Band, and Phil Robertson are the only two Louisianans I know. And now you're the third. Can you give? Oh, I'm in good company. Can you give me? <laughs> can you give me one taste of Louisiana? I've never been. Oh, one taste of Louisiana. As I'm looking out my back window, visiting with you, I, I told you I live on a lake here, and so there are big herons stalking my lake bank. Beautiful. And I can, I, I, it's just a beautiful scene. It's cypress knees. If people don't know what that is, it's trees that have these roots that come up and, and they do, they look like knees. And so someone named them cypress <laughs> knees. And so that's out there. And um, of course there's catfish and perch and everything out there that I can go throw a rod in the water and, and hook a fish really fast. It, it's just a beautiful, beautiful life. I live on a, in a little bitty town in Lake Providence. And I get to travel and speak and meet people. So I think I have the best of both worlds because I get to do all that and then come home to little bitty, little bitty Lake Providence. And if I'm traveling and making a pit stop in Louisiana, am I get, what am I getting at the airport? Am I getting a bowl of something? Mm, well, don't get gumbo at the airport. I mean, come to Shelly's house. Okay. Gumbo, okay. <laughs> I'll enough. make you real gumbo, Tim, because <laughs> if you get gumbo at the airport, you're just going to be shortchanged. You're not going to like it. But, well, compared to um, yours, of course, but I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be prepackaged. So, you know, our the, what we're famous for are, of course, our, our gumbos and you know, um, our seafood and our Cajun cooking. And, you know, we, we love all that crawfish, a big old crawfish bowl. And you throw some tom- um, potatoes and some corn in there with the crawfish, and it's good eating. I'm getting really hungry right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. If you ever come by, I really would cook, I really would cook you some gumbo. I bet you would. I bet you would. Shelly, thank you for your time. And God bless you. I hope we get a chance to catch up again. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You take care and God bless. All right. Shelly Rushing Tomlinson on the Tim DeMar Show and WFIL, author of Seizing the Good Life. Salem, our parent company's book of the month for July. Enter to win at WFIL.com. And while you're there, enter to win Dr. Michael Youssef's latest book, Hope for This Present Crisis. Leading the way with Dr. Youssef is WFIL's Ministry of the Month for July, coming up here at 530. Also, a quick reminder. If you own a business, WFIL would love to help you grow that business. Many ways we can do that. Our sales manager, Carol, ready to chat with you at 215-805-0075, 215-805-0075. Alice Beg, Truth for Life, coming up in just a couple moments. WFIL, have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.